This intro is an abstract act, at long last. It's the That's a Wrap podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films that we've seen. I'm your host, Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host, Matt Parkinson. The date of recording today is the 15th of July, and the time of recording is 4.25. Before we start, remember to follow our Instagram at TAWpodcast. That is TAWpodcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open over there. You'll also be able to keep up to date with our new story feature, which is Film Track of the Day. You can also check out our... You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's a Rap Podcast or TAW Podcast and make sure to give us a like and share as it really helps out the show. When it comes to listening, we are available on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow and download on those platforms and leave a review where available as it really helps out the show. And guys, if you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films that we've seen both in and outside of the podcast, you can check out our pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. The opening and closing jingles that you hear on the show today are by Philip Buster. Please check out his music at soundcloud.com slash philip underscore official. Wait, no, don't do that soundcloud.com forward slash philipbuster underscore official all right (laughs) so how did that that differ from what it's been previously (laughs) i added a little little bit at the beginning i was oh that's what it i thought that was like a warning for something to come yeah but that was the thing okay (laughs) For, for, for clarification people i said i told matt i did a little remix of the intro at the beginning and that was it. It was one Okay, line. sorry. That must be... Yeah, I feel like a dick now. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Matt, you're fired. Um, uh, you're fired, and we're replacing you with our new host, which is also today's guest, Jackie. Jack Edmondson, how are you feeling today? Hello. I feel really good. Thank you for having me on. Good, good. Tell, tell the world who you be. Um, uh, I'm... I'm uh, hello. <laughs> you know when you like self-fulfilling prophecy you like don't fuck it up don't fuck it up and then immediately yeah. fuck it up no, that, that's me in the intro today don't worry <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a bit of a binge with the podcast so this is probably the worst hey. I've heard oh. you do it in a while we always love hearing that that's... yeah no that's lovely that's that's really nice <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was wonderful um, yeah I'm, I'm Jack Edmondson um, uh, my pronouns are he him I, I'm about to start my third year at uh, um, Bournemouth University doing uh, film. Uh, I do improv with the university as well, and I do crochet. <laughs> and oh, nice. <laughs> little plug. Um, and yeah, and I do script writing and sound. Nice. Do you I have an Etsy you for your crocheting? Yeah. Uh, it's something I would like to do if it were the case that I was better. <laughs> Most right. of the time, gotcha. it is just a case of finding a a pattern online and then copying it and failing multiple times crying and then eventually creating something but uh my mum's recently got into knitting so i don't know how similar that is to that but oh that's two you need two hooks for that that's intense right (laughs) i'll tell my mum that (laughs) she's elite she is she is yes um I love how every episode we just end up praising Teresa. <laughs> it's Hi, it's Mom. still my favourite episode. It's still my favourite episode. Oh, oh my god, we've got That's a track so record nice. with every guest now. Yeah. So much. Every guest loves Teresa. Mad. Awesome. Um, in case you guys don't know, we are not in the same room this time around. It's probably why I'm rusty today, because I've got these giant blooming cans destroying my brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah. To speaking speaking of destroying our brain, uh, Matt, what was what was the first film of the day? 
Uh, the first film of the day is Kid the the Kid Detective. I stumbled mm. on that a bit. I wasn't sure whether to say the Kid Detective or Kid Detective, so I said Kid the the Kid Detective. <laughs> See, I, I, I totally meant to plan the destroying your brain segue into something that destroyed your brain. It's all linked. Oh, it's, Joe, it's all a, it's all a you bloody twisting vine. <laughs> you're, really, Crazy. you're really usurping each other this episode. I just, <laughs> bang, bang. We're not going to be alive by the end of it. It's, it's going to be crazy. I'll be the only one left. Um, be- <laughs> before we... G- wow. <laughs> before we get into uh, the, the, the film... Um, Jackie, could you provide us with your own synopsis of today's film? Um, sure. So I was I, I prepared for this and now I can't find it on the page. Here we go. Um, so I wrote, a local kid celebrity fails to solve a case and grows up to be an unfulfilled private detective. But when a murder occurs, he gets a second chance to prove himself. <sighs> Damn. Google says, a once-celebrated kid detective, now 31, continues to solve the same trivial mysteries between hangovers and bouts of self-pity. Cough, don't we all relate? Until a naive (laughs) client brings him his first adult case to find out who brutally murdered her boyfriend. Um, Matt, what do you think of the the clashing synopsis? I've got one as well. Oh, you've got one as well. That's great. There's three synopsises going. I'm not sure. <laughs> am I meant to be preparing them for episodes, or is it like, wh- what's going it, on? Wh- the 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 mo was like it was like when when there's guests they do it and then <laughs> got it because I remember but, last for one we did a while ago it was like both the guest and me and Google so I wasn't uh, sure but I, yeah I've written... I, I apologize no with, no no that's yeah. okay I've got one for each of the three <laughs> films we're doing, so um, yeah. Um, do, do you want to quickly... Yeah, yeah, sure. So, my <laughs> synopsis... <laughs> How Jesus do we know Christ, he's oh cheating? How do we not know he's cheating? He's just heard the Google one and mine. It's just going to be so an amalgam true. Oh, my God. And, Matt, you have a tendency of reading the synopsis and then writing right. your own so one. So, this is which is film... Besides I, the point. This is, like, the one film I haven't done that with. I did it oh, with... okay. This I, better be amazing. It's not. I did it with <laughs> oh, the other two films fired. that we're going to talk about, but I didn't do it with this one. So, the one I wrote for this one was a former child prodigy detective is now a burnout in his 30s he's faced with his first ever murder case which forces him to come to terms with the fact that he needs to catch up with his adulthood and comprehend the dark adult world in front of him damn um and and what made you choose today's film so this is a film that um one of our previous guests on this show ruben Mm -hmm. block uh from episode three (laughs) Phil- recommended Phil to me uh, last month, I think, and I, I I didn't know anything about it. I you know I try to go in blind with more films now. I I try not to look them up before watching them. And yeah, so I went into this film blind, knowing nothing about it. I watched it, and um, yeah, this this was an interesting. Like, do you want me to just go into my kind of review of it now, or um, do you want me to like I, just give a quick sort of intro to how I? Yeah, just just more how how it came into like like you've already said how it came into into your life and yeah so yeah ruben recommended it to me um i I remember googling briefly and finding out that no one in it was anyone that i had heard of like any of the actors in it i hadn't heard of the writer director of it i had no idea who he was this was like a complete outlier of a film to me so i watched it for the first time and i was kind of like oh this is okay and then i kind of i noticed the film was sitting with me for a while like there was something about it that was kind of staying with me and so I thought, I don't know, there's, I had like conflicting emotions about the film, conf- conflicting feelings about it. And I thought it'd be good to talk about on the podcast. And I'll 
elaborate on why that is as we talk it's, about um, it. It's it's interesting how you said about going in blind to it. I mean, I know we're going to be talking about it, but yeah. in, re- in regards to like expectations and stuff like that, I'd say if you want to watch this film, guys, do not watch the trailer because the trailer is very badly edited and mismarketed. I haven't and, seen the trailer. Uh, it's not good. Oh, wow. And Adam Bro- Adam Brody, who's the star of this and, and an exec producer, has um, t- talked about how Sony kind of messed up the marketing on this film because it was like during during the lockdown and whatnot. Yeah. But to be honest, it, I think it's also just struggling. It's just probably just a struggle to market this film because it seems like it would fit more in the quirky A24 world rather than Sony pictures. So, mm. yeah. Jack- Jackie, what did you think of this film when it first... Actually, well, we'll go for Matt and then Jackie. Yeah. Mm. Um, sorry, we're just I've been le- leaving you in the corner there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, used to the, I'm used to my other host. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm interested to um, hear Matt, what Matt thinks yeah. about it. So my, my thoughts on this. So, um, mm. yeah, so this is like a mystery detective film, as we already said, with our synopsis. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching this for the first time and being kind of underwhelmed with it because I thought, Okay, it's like the plot itself seemed quite conventional. It was like good. It played out in a sort of A leads to B leads to C sort of detective plot way, which it was good enough, but it didn't really, I didn't feel like it was pushing the envelope in any way plot wise. And like it tries for comedy as well. This is kind of like a comedy slash drama. And I only found it kind of mildly funny. Like there wasn't any bits that made me laugh when I felt like they should have done. And to be honest, I thought most of the characters in the film were quite boring like i don't know if it was because of the performance are quite understated or if the characters Mm. just feel a bit underwritten like the the main character is fairly well written i think like his whole arc is very interesting but i found a lot of the side characters quite boring so i think yeah my first very first impressions after finishing the film were like oh that was okay but then later in the day i remember i was at work i think doing an evening shift and it was just the film was sticking with me for some reason and i was thinking about it and I think one of the things I really liked about this film, kind of just letting it sit with me, was that I think it's good at exploring its themes quite well. Because as I said in the synopsis, this is a film about basically a child prodigy who was at the top of his game when he was younger. He was a very intelligent detective, solving all these cutesy child cases with a sense of whimsy, and he was like at the top of his game. But now, fast forward, he's a burnout in his 30s. So the film is kind of dealing with the themes of him becoming an adult and being in denial about that, still kind of wanting to be a kid, struggling to grow up. And I think the film deals with that theme in quite a good way because the way the film's directed feels very sort of understated and, like, quiet. There's a sort of quietness to the film, I think. And um, what was I going to say? Uh, like the way certain scenes play out feels very kind of deflating like especially the end of the film feels very kind of anticlimactic in a way like there's no sort of booming score or anything or like big sort of like oh my god everyone's happy now it's like there's no real catharsis it feels very kind of hmm by the ending and i think that reflects the themes of the film very well of like oh shit this guy needs to face his adult life now and it's not the sort of whimsical childhood that he's used to at the beginning, it's the more sort of, oh shit, I'm an adult now. This this isn't nice. I've I've done my J- jobs, but like yeah. this is horrible. And that that's J- what Jack- I really like about the film, both on my first watch and second watch. Right, uh, Jackie, what do you what do you think about the themes that that Matt has said in regards to um like uh, a the character Abe Applebaum not being able to move on from his past? Um, I really enjoyed it. I think. I think first I need to sort of explain when I 
when you um, introduced what film we were going to be watching for this, when I heard Kid Detective, I thought like the themes and tone of it were going to be completely different. And I thought it was going to be from the sounds of it. I thought I was thinking like Spy Kids. I was thinking the kind yeah. of like early 2000s. <laughs> and then when I looked it up and I yeah. realized it was this 2020 movie, quite high rated on IMDb, all of this stuff. I was like, oh, wow, I need to go in with completely different expectations. Um, but as far as the themes go, it was, it it really um, it channeled the kind of the a moment where people grow up and that moment where there's that twist of realizing that you know the world isn't always gonna you know build you up and make you feel great all the time. Yeah. Um, that I think it deals with it very well, and I think it deals with it through the town and the way the town is represented, where he's this like. You know, as a kid, he's got everybody is just absolutely obsessed with him. And they're like, they love this idea of this kid, like being an adult before he is. And this he's like achieving things that they can never achieve. And then that dream is then snatched from them. And they realize that, oh, this kid is just nothing. And it's that he becomes this disappointment in the town. And you see how um, I think people, I, I feel like it, it made out like the town one the adults of the town were reaching for this idea of this like savior this idea that they can never achieve up they can never like be this you know problem solver this amazing detective this project this you know prodigal figure and mm. um and when they realized that even this kid wasn't then that was you know taken away from them and i think he he deals with that idea of failure and not living up to the expectations very very strongly and then by the end you know he he you know realizes that oh god i've now grown up i've now done all this and he you know he yeah. wanted to be as a kid he wanted to be an adult he wanted to be this incredible detective and then he realizes the truth of what that entails and it kind of crushes him and you, if, it's a really weird melancholy ending i thought it was a very, yeah, very yeah. Interesting i think it works shot. really well honestly i, I really like the ending I, yeah, I, I think we've got to be a bit careful when discussing the ending, but yeah. I, in general, yeah. the the ending is what makes not not what makes me like the film because it makes it sound like I liked it when it finished. But um, <laughs> like, I think the third act of this film really saves a lot of the issues uh, with uh, acts one and two. But I, as we're talking about it, I'm like like for for, for a little like tragic comedy, there are a lot of. A lot of themes to be dealt with here. Like I, I remember just watching some clips before this. Uh, there's, there's a scene where he's talking about like him realizing he's not uh, the image he projected of himself in his head, uh, mm. and like dealing with the people around him in the town. I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. I haven't heard it. I like yeah, it's a it's a comedy version of a detective story, but I haven't heard like it's cool to see a detective character be like oh yeah i'm not actually good at all <laughs> i'm yeah. not i'm not good at my job i, I used to be like <laughs> i don't know what, what do you think of of that map uh, yeah no definitely there is a sort of you know sadness within him you know he is not the sort of righteous detective anymore he is just this kind of like i said a burnout and you know yeah his best years are behind him which is very sad because like this whole theme of him being the child prodigy as aspect of it like reaching your peak when you're, I don't know, how old was he? Like 12 years old or something yeah. at the beginning of the film is like reaching your peak at that age is going to cause like mental health issues later down the line, especially when you're like in your 30s. 
And yeah, I, I like the way the film dealt with that. Um, what what were your issues specifically with Acts One and Two? I it, it's hard to pinpoint, but it's just like at some point during the film, I just lost complete interest and mm. was like tuning out. And then the third act happened, and it. I think maybe it's just a, a, a the struggle it has with with balancing, uh, like the the deadpan tone of the film, with like the. Basically, like any silly bits of comedy with the really like dark underbelly stuff that's being hinted at, and then in the third act, it's fully stated. And I think mm. it's probably better for me personally when watching it when it's just out there in the open, like what's actually happening. Um, which sounds bad because like we love a mix of genres and mm. themes, but I I liked it better when it went fully dark. Not, it, I think it was struggling to balance the two. In, mm. in Acts One and Two, I, I'm not too, too sure how to explain it, but like, do you know what I mean how how was that balance for you, Jackie? Um, I feel like it caused a bit of confusion for me, um, because right. I felt at the beginning, I wasn't really sure in the first act how much I was meant to sort of suspend my disbelief, because I feel like in mm. the situation where the situation of an entire town expecting a kid to effectively mm. like you know solve this like missing persons case is kind of ludicrous yeah. and i don't and like i didn't right i i felt like I, I i with the tone of it and with the comedic elements of it i can kind of buy into it but then you know it, it, it it's it's taken to it's then taken to like serious places and it's taken to more like um comedic spaces there's like a point later on which i won't spoil but the um scene in the in a kid's bedroom where he um all oh, right yeah, yeah yeah where like <laughs> the consequences of his actions that moment aren't taken as seriously as you yeah. would expect and I, you know that was one of my favorite scenes in the film i think <laughs> oh honestly. same 100 um, percent same I, 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 yeah it's hilarious it's, yeah it's so good like the editing in that scene where it cuts from that yes. to <laughs> the next part it's such it's the like best edit in the entire film it's hilarious i think it's honestly. so dry uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's, it's so good dry. at payoff because basically it's it's talking about him struggling to like hide in 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 cupboard in in, mm -hmm. in perps uh, like the people he's investigating uh, uh, in their closets. But it's the yeah that whole montage segment is hilarious. But I agree with Jackie in that like there's quite a serious outcome afterwards mm. and it's kind of brushed away. But like I kind of like that though because yeah. I think. The fact that, you know, they show him in the cupboard and then clearly his cover's blown and this, mm. you know, he faces his consequences. I expected to see, because I, I had a feeling they were going to cut away from it sort of a bit too soon for like comedic effect. But the fact that they went the extra mile and like didn't show you any of the sort of impact of his cover being blown, it just goes like right mm. to the next scene. I found that, yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was like really just smart editing. I, I, I really liked it. What did we think of our, our lead, Adam Brody? I liked him. So on my first watch, um, I wasn't too impressed with like his whole character. I thought, oh, it's just a kind of sort of generic schlubby character, sort of like a Jake Johnson-esque sort of right. character. You, you know what I mean? Sort of yeah, like, yeah. oh, there's Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, <laughs> the schlubby guy. We've seen him in yeah. every fucking like, you know, comedy show in recent sure. years like but then i think on second watch like after sort of getting a better grip on the themes the film is dealing with and his sort of character arc i i liked it a little bit more and i think the performance is good 
as well. I, mm. I like his performance. Like, what did you two think? Uh, yeah, the um, I really liked him as a character. I thought at the beginning, I wasn't sure if the town was kind of goading him into believing he was good at being a detective and it was all just like a big like, oh, you're doing so well. Oh, look at this kid. He's doing a great job with his sort of like really quite shit Sherlockisms of like, you know, when he's right. watching the TV yeah. and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That drink oh, is poisoned. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the parents are looking yeah. behind just like, oh, he's so, oh, he's figuring stuff out yeah. for the first time. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, at the beginning, it wasn't really clear if he was genuinely like a child prodigy or if it was just everyone right. was just kind of in on a joke with him. And I think it wasn't, I think it's, he... I, I, that's yeah. a good, that's a good like little question to have about the town though because they, they could have just been completely wrong and then just tor- tortured this guy's psyche for yeah. quite a while because i think it hints at that later on with 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 the villain but like yeah it, i think there is it's, it's, a it's bit when of both, he started yeah. yeah yeah it's when like it's when he felt like he he's like you know getting 50 uh, as a kid he's getting 50 dollars to like get like help out with like uh, cases with bullies and then it's when it goes into okay this as a child he's now going to solve try and solve a murder and it's like yeah. it it's dressed it's a very dressed up montage and then later on you're realizing like oh no this these types <laughs> it's quite a big thing to put on a kid <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah what i liked like... what i liked about the premise of it is that i had to actually look it up to see if this was in mm. any way like affiliated with like a different property because i was genuinely thinking sure. this would be a really interesting if this had or if kid detective had been a kid's TV show in the 90s and it just followed like yeah. a kid in a town who solved mysteries and it was yeah, really yeah, quirky yeah. and everyone like he gets the mm. you know key to the city all of that you know bollocks yeah. um, and then you have a film like this come out 20 years later sort of aging with the audience trying to explain like yeah. how would that affect the mentality of this kid like how much trauma would that put on him if he got a case like wrong it's like Disney Channel's The Irishman in a way <laughs> <laughs> Like put it on a I know we're talking about yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just for what it is, I know I know we're talking about like the the elements more of when he's a child, but don't don't get us wrong. This is a very dark film. Like it's it is like yeah. It's it's, yeah, especially towards the third act. I saw a a review on Letterbox saying uh, the whole town like got him the keys to the city, but why didn't the whole town get him a therapist? (laughs) (laughs) I saw that review. Yeah, (laughs) just like. Yes, that's an interesting yeah. dichotomy. Um, yeah. The uh, co-writer of this did a film called The Dirties, which I saw in college, and it's about uh, um, it's a mockumentary about uh, school shooters getting ready for a school shooting. So it's yeah, it's not like, and it's it's dealt in a very comedic way. So it's like he's it seems like he uh, the co-writer Evan Morgan likes this uh, this weird boundary of like how 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 can we make fucked up things aesthetically look uh, like dressed up and, and, and funny and, <laughs> and kind of lighthearted for the most part? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, tiny nitpick with this. I, I, I thought it was what this, the service I was watching it on, but it, it's the same whenever I've looked up in clips is some of the sound is a little stuffy. It just sounds like the room tones could have been edited a bit better but this i don't it's fine uh, it's just a little little nitpick <laughs> I, have I have to say it didn't bother me um yeah i, I didn't notice i'm afraid to say but yeah, yeah joe who do you um, think you are <laughs> that poor ear, sound ear man. 
Um, <laughs> also, this was a Canadian production, so that's probably why... Not probably why it went under the radar, but like I just I, I only heard started hearing about it when uh, uh, the Letterbox podcast started uh, showing a spotlight on it because it yeah it was only showing in theaters in America very briefly and then and then it was being promoted on, on Letterboxd. Um, not quite sure where I was going with that, but yeah, just fun fact: it's a Canadian well, film. Yeah, in the fact uh, of it being Canadian, I sort of draw a lot of parallels between this and um, the TV show Fargo. I haven't seen the film Fargo, but um, okay. I'm watching it currently, and the same dry humor in the face of um, mm. yeah horrific subject matter yeah. it kind of carries through, um, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or not. I haven't watched that many Canadian films. I think well, the film Fargo it's... is in Minnesota, I think, which is like very very north. America, like one of the northernmost states, mm. so it's kind of like nearish to Canada. But yeah. I know what you mean—the sort of dryness of it, yeah. the kind of like, "Hey, Margie, there's a body in the snow. Should we clean it?" <laughs> sort well, of like, I very... guess, I guess, like a cool, like little, like I'm, I'm not. Have I, have I asked, like, did, if we liked the deadpan nature of the line, like the comedy and the delivery of it, or uh, I, I liked not... it personally. Right. Like one of the, th- I think the film. The two things I think this film thrives in is its themes and its tone. I think, right. like the sort of, like, I don't necessarily find it a hilarious film. I, I think some of the jokes didn't really land, but I think the way I, I do like the deadpanness of it. I, I think mm. um, the way it undercuts sort of scenes like that. On my second watch, there were lots of little things that I noticed for the second time that I liked a lot that kind of reinforce the theme of like, oh, he's not a kid anymore. He can't do this case on his own. Like scenes when you think it's going to be like this sweeping, awesome kind of detective style scene. Like when he walks into the nightclub area and then that just like abruptly ends. I I, I really liked that. I, I, I thought that was great when they're just like, no. And he just like, <laughs> or like, um, I, I won't say all the scenes, but like there's a lot where you think like, oh, something's really cool is going to happen. And then it's just like, a character nah. will come through yeah. a door and just say, like, you know, just talk to him like he's a kid, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, this is how yeah. this scene will end. Like, I think um, when he's talking to, so obviously this is a murder case, the film, and it's um, the person who's murdered. He interviews their parents, and yeah. um, I liked on my second watch. I like how the parents talk to him like he's a child. Like they talk yeah, to him right. in a very condescending way. Like he. He'll say something like, oh, you know, I will I will catch this killer at all costs. And they're like, don't promise that. That's a silly thing to promise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just love how like every moment just undercuts the sort of awesomeness that you expect into just like, yeah. no, 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 you're yeah. a child. <laughs> it, it just, it seemed just a bit more realistic because like, especially during that scene, he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can, I, I realize how hard this is for you. And, and they're like, do you have kids? And he's like, yeah. Oh, no. he's like, yeah. Well, then, well, then you don't. Do you don't then? So yeah. Sh- it, it feels like <laughs> a sort of like a, <laughs> like he's like, trying to be stoic. Very... He wants to be like, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like everyone's being like, nope, you can't do that. You're not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> also, what I really liked as well, um, the relationship between him and the guy at the ice cream store. So, um, yes. for, con- <laughs> yeah. for context, um, during this montage at the very beginning of the film, when he's a child and he's solving all these cases. There's one that he solves that um, involves an ice cream store. I can't remember what it is exactly, but right. the ice cream owner's it's like, like a robbery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The ice cream owner's like, "Oh, you get free ice cream for life now," which is like, "Oh, this is such a cool, whimsical 
childhood fantasy, but then it's like, oh, now he's 30 and he's still he's getting still it. He's still cashing it. He's still getting it, and the ice cream owner hates him. And yeah. I, just, I love that little detail. It's such a great, um, like, symmetry between the two halves of his life. It's it's so great. I, I love it. Yeah. Especially because it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go I thought especially because with that relationship particularly, I thought that there was going to be a bit where he was going to like cough and say like, give me money now. But no, it was just flat resentment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I've realised is like, it for like a, yeah, first time film and for like, yeah, it's not a, it's not a pre-existing IP or anything. It, it It's, world building is quite effective considering you were mm. saying oh oh it like is this based on anything previously or is this based on you know like a, a like a procedural mm. or something mm. um i think yeah just major props for I, the world yeah building, i really like you know <laughs> i really like the aesthetic of this film as well it's very specific in a way but mm. also like it feels i'm not sure what time period it's meant to be emulated because it feels kind of 70s at some point yeah. it's like the clothing and some of the cars but it's also mm. like it's in the present day, I think. Yeah, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he just refuses to use phones, which is a good way around it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I think um, again, that's another thing: him not using social media, the sort of like adulthood mm. thing. But like, um, I don't know. Like at the beginning of the film, during the childhood montages, it kind of the sort of seventies aesthetic kind of fits with it because it's like, oh, it's very nostalgic and happy but then when it cuts to him older that sort of aesthetic feels a bit worn out and kind of right. like a little bit more understated and i like mm, that like yeah. the ice cream store owner is very kind of like he's got a little hat and he looks like a sort yeah. of stereotypical ice cream mm. owner and I, yeah i just really like the sort of look of this film the design of it yeah yeah um jackie so when when you were watching this um how like how do I explain this? Like, uh, basically, what were your thoughts on it reaching like one hundred percent dark towards the end? Considering we've just established this, this, uh, like, uh, this, 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 like, cozy aesthetic beforehand. What did you think of like the kind of wake up call towards the end? I it didn't feel jarring, which I think is kind of testament to no? the pacing of it. Um, okay. It kind of felt it. It was grim for sure because it goes to a very very dark place but then i yeah. think it's kind of in the film style immediately afterwards it returns to kind of like the stasis at the beginning where suddenly you know you have this uh, almost like everything's wrapped up in a nice little, nice little bow everything everything's sorted but you know the main character's still going yeah. through it in still you know channeling the repercussions of what he's found and the darkness that he's uncovered so yeah it didn't feel it did yeah. feel like it came out of nowhere at all it just felt oh okay right oh yeah yeah give me a shiver i just i've just i keep feeling the need to just like state how dark the third act is because it's <laughs> like it I'm does more, i'm worried yeah. bit, with the title it sounds like you know blank check or something but it's like it's not yeah. it's not this disney say, disney thing <laughs> i'd say the first scene is not i wouldn't say a good indicator of how dark it gets but it literally the first shot before the title is shown you get a sense of like oh okay this could go down some quite nasty routes yeah. and nothing is explicit oh, yeah. in that bit i know what you mean yeah. yeah um but yeah it gives a kind of indication that it's not always going to be a jolly mm. <laughs> because everyone in this um... film is very very jolly <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
I I think we've pretty much covered as much as we can. Unless Matt, is there any pressing things that you've had? Uh let me just look at my notes. Uh I think yeah, a lot of my notes I had were like specific little things that I noticed on second watch. And I don't want to kind of go through all of them because it's kind of like I'm going scene by scene into like just spoiling the film, but well, not spoiling it, but kind of like just right. telling you Ruining, all the like, scenes that I liked, and it's, it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've kind of, I've mentioned it, a few specific already. Specific moments, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've mentioned okay. a few already, and cool. I think I've kind of given my overall thoughts about it. Cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think there's much more I can say without revealing too much. If that's okay. if that makes sense. If we go Jackie and the Matt, why should people see this film? Um, if you like sort of dry, witty humor. Um, and a bit of a slow burny uh, detective show that sort of takes the piss out of detective shows a little bit whilst also having an identity of its own. <laughs> Watch this. Matthias? Um, uh, yeah, no, very well said, I think. Yeah, if you like um, detective films, I think you'll, you'll like this film because it does follow the very sort of basic narrative of a detective film. So I think there's it has a market there. I think if you like bittersweet films that have a little bit of edge but also a little bit of you know wholesomeness and comedy i think you'll like this a lot and yeah yeah i, th- I think it's just a really it's an interesting film that has um you know some things i didn't necessarily like all that much but some things i liked a lot and i think it's it's a good film to think about and just right. just reflect on really i think i'd, I'd yeah. recommend it yeah um yeah like, i pretty much echo these guys if you want to see a uh, a really like dark unconventional twist on the detective story and about a child prodigy then this is the one and it's it's you know it's, it's a fairly independent film it's a bit like like yes sony have been involved with it but it's been mismarketed so if you want a hidden gem this is this is one for you um i have a question for jackie um oh yeah in regards to the guy who plays legolas in lord of the rings what's his first name Oh, oh, shut up. You. Oh, shut up. For for your <laughs> listeners, Joe, Joe made a big That's deal. not the one, by the way. It's that's not. not the one. That's oh. not... No. That's no. off the cuff. Oh. Yeah, Great. that's an improv Was one. Was that really off the cuff? <laughs> I can't wow. wait for the one you prepared for. <laughs> if that's... I was going to be like, what's a Disneyland <laughs> place? But I was like, that's too... No. <laughs> It's gonna be a long episode. Oh gosh. Well, what is what is uh, what is Legolas's first name? The actor. Uh, Orlando. Don't say it. <laughs> Orlando. Orlando. Don't say um, it. Don't think it. <laughs> speak, speaking of Orlando. Is it Fernando? Fernando. It is Orlando. Fernando. Alejandro. Yeah, right. Fernando Bloom. Fernando Bloom. Um, <laughs> could you give us a, a synopsis for today? <laughs> This is a chaotic episode. Downy we, is down. Both me and Jackie just got in yeah. from the door. Just got in the door. I'm and, still in my yeah. underpants. <laughs> I mean... Thank God it's an audio. Listeners, podcast, please anyway. close your eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to flash in three, two, one. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. the synopsis for... for Orlando. Uh, the synopsis. Oh, I was actually quite proud of this. I wrote it on the train. Um, oh yeah, drum roll. So the favourite of Queen Elizabeth I is given a royal order to never age. Consequently, through centuries of unaging transformation, Orlando has their ideas of gender and sexuality laid bare and challenged. What, what, what about you, 
Patty me. My one is Orlando is a 17th century nobleman who forms a bond with Queen Elizabeth I and therefore inherits his parents' house. The film then follows Orlando over the course of centuries as he faces the trials and tribulations of love, pain, the arts, politics, and an unexpected experience that permanently changes his dynamic with those around him. I have a feeling you read the Google synopsis for that one. I did, but <gasps> I changed it a little bit. Because <laughs> I was like, what are you dropping dropping noblemen so casually? <laughs> <laughs> did you even because I, I know film? words. <laughs> <laughs> because Google says in sixty in the in sixteen hundred, nobleman Orlando, played by Tilda Swinton, inherits his parents' house thanks to Queen Elizabeth I, played by Chris, uh, Quentin Crisp, who commands the young man to never age. After a disastrous affair with Russian princess Sasha, played by Charlotte Philandry, Orlando looks for solace in the arts before being appointed ambassador to Constantinople in 1700, where war is raging. One morning, Orlando is shocked to wake up as a woman and returns home, struggling as a female to retain her property as the centuries roll by. Mine's better. I've got three synopsises for you, <laughs> listeners. I'm, I took the Google one and I made it good. Fight well, me. Mine, mine was original and also not corporate, so do I win? Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, you win. Because we, we love original and not corporate. Um, speaking of, what um, what would you what do you think of this film's originality, Jackie? Actually, before that, never mind, I just thought of something. Okay. I'm so sorry. I say thought of, it was in my notes and I caught it again. Um... I'd say a, a year around this time, you did a uh, charity live stream, and this kind of relates to this film uh, as it was it was brought up in the stream. Could you please tell us about that? Um, sure. So um, we did a, a solidarity stream, which was um, around the time that um, both in America and the UK, a lot of um, protections for trans people, uh, transgender people were being uh, removed, and uh, there was a lot of rolling back of um, particularly healthcare protections. So me and my friends, uh, Zeb Linus, Alfie Lindsay and Freya Shah did a um, a charity live stream where we just discussed um, a lot of trans issues, trans topics, and um, talked about films and music. And uh, yeah, so um, naturally in discussion, we talked about, we brought um, Claudia Optumkamp from Bournemouth University uh, who came on to discuss um, uh, uh, a documentary about trans people and representation of trans people in uh, film and TV. And uh, from that, uh, we had a lot of um, talks about other such films in the topic. And Joe right. Danny brought up this film and Tangerine, uh, yeah, yeah. which is another really good film. Um, but yeah, and it's I think it's really relevant because there's no explicit... Um, I don't think there's like explicit ties to transgender identity in this film, but you, it's there's undeniably right. an experience which is being um, discussed about uh, both in terms of transition and also just the like the, the sort of idea of uh, gender as a both a social mm. construct and also as like an innate sense of self. Um, yeah, so it's like right. a gender politics movie. I think it's I think it's really really well done. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, Matt, how was how was your experience uh, watching this for the first time? Because both, yeah, with 
I think me and Jackie, this is our second. This, well, I've seen it a, a few different times because I had to do an essay about it. But we, th- w- this was a rewatch for us. Whether as for, for Matt, this was his, his first time. How was how was it going? How was the film going into it for the first time? Um, it it was odd because um, I, again, this is a film I knew nothing about. I went into it completely blind. I knew nothing right. about it. I wasn't sure what kind of character Tilda Swinton would be playing in this film. I didn't know that she'd be playing a male character. And I wasn't sure what, like, how the film was expecting us to perceive that. Because, like, I know, because what, what it made me think of was um, another example of a film I can think of where a female has played a male character is Kate uh, Blanchett as Bob Dylan. Right. And I feel like with that, it's a lot... It, I haven't seen... Because it's in the film, I'm not there. And I haven't seen that film, but from what I gather, it's meant to be a lot more kind of immersive in that you, because Kate Blanchett has all this makeup on, you, you see her as Bob Dylan and it's, you, you know, you're not really meant to tell. But in this, it's very clear that it's Tilda Swinton, a female actress playing a male character. And I wasn't sure if the film expects us, expected us to, sort of like gloss over it or kind of accept it or draw attention to it so it made me question very early on like what is this film about is it about like you said gender politics is a it is about you know our perception of women and men and like what we expect from that is it sort of i thought at one point maybe it was like a commentary and a reversal of how in old shakespearean plays you always got the men to play the women and this was kind Mm -hmm. of like a cynical reversal of that i wasn't I know this is a film that's been analysed a lot and no one's entirely yeah. sure what it's right. about. I don't think Sally Potter's revealed, actually, the, <laughs> the director, what, what it's exactly yeah. about. There's a lot of mystery behind it. So, I, yeah, I wasn't right. sure, really. I, I did find it initially distracting having Tilda Swinton playing a male character because I find Tilda Swinton so, like, recognisable. I just couldn't right. not see her as Tilda Swinton. But, like, because you mentioned earlier that uh, Quentin Crisp plays... Queen Elizabeth mm. I, and I, I didn't notice that that completely went over my head because right. I don't really know who Quentin Crisp is so I was like right. oh it's just Queen Elizabeth so yeah like I I, I really like the idea of female actors taking on the idea of taking on the role of male characters but I think when it's someone as recognisable as Tilda Swinton it kind of took me out of it a bit and kind of right. I was watching this film at arm's length, kind of trying to figure out, yeah. okay, what is this film trying to tell me? Like, I didn't feel immersed in the first half, but that got better over time. I, I became more immersed and I was going with it more and I could just right. kind of enjoy the film as it went on. Yeah. Um, I think it, I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to elegantly talk about this because I've, because of life, I haven't been able to do the proper notes on it, but um I, in regards to that experience of watching Til- uh, Tilda as Orlando for the first time, it, I definitely because of like the close of that time period as well, and just ha- has how the fil- how the film's narrative continues. You kind of, I think you you're not, it's you don't feel like you it, it's uh, you are kind of meant to question it at first. I mm. think because and I definitely the, did. The, the cl- yeah, the cl- the clothing itself is 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 rather. Uh, either unisex or, or more feminine in regards to what you were saying about the the Shakespeare part there is a part where they watch Othello and uh, they have um the 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 male actors play the female roles and then that there as like a quick comment on it um where am I going with this 
(laughs) Jackie, what do you think in in regards to like the film making you question that? If that makes any sense. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of dripping in androgyny, is how I describe it. Like everything from not only just Tilda, who already is quite uh, an androgynous actress, I think. Um, to yeah. step into this part is quite. I think it's kind of plays to her strengths in a way because she can. Yeah. She can incorporate both the masculine and the feminine, and I think Sally Potter saw yeah. her in a play where she was playing a male character and chose her on yeah. the basis of that. Um, but yeah, like you have multiple, uh, sh- like you said with the Othello, there's uh, you see male singers multiple times. There's an emphasis on like falsetto yes. male yeah. singers, yeah. and also there's yeah, yeah. Um, dialogue which articulates how much women of um, certain periods in this in this film uh, were just, like trying to achieve more like masculine appearances because of like you know in terms of like status and that was kind of how um, yeah that was like a, a, a wish fulfillment thing for them um, yeah like the and then with Quentin Crisp as well as like Queen Elizabeth like everything is is a bit of a, a, a gender bent Billy Zane as well Billy yes. Zane as well. He, uh, Sally Potter said that she cast him because his face is so an- uh, either androgynous or feminine. So it was like a comment on that as well. Because, by the way, guys, if you're expecting the Billy Zane uh, experience, it's not. No. She, he's in the film for like 12 minutes. What's the Billy he, Zane he... experience? I don't know. Just like. <laughs> just a just whole like, lot of Billy Zane. In... <laughs> I've seen him in like one film. I, I think I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is if you're in because the poster is like Tilda Swinton Billy Zane like it's because he's like also as famous as her so so it's like how like if you're going into this expecting a lot of Billy Zane I'm just saying I don't because he's, right. he's in it for like two seconds I What's, couldn't I think love of the idea. <laughs> sorry I just love the idea of people going to Orlando and coming out being like oh fuck's sake I was like I'm gonna take it out with the people <laughs> who edited this trailer why is there so much Billy Zane when no. he's not in the movie <laughs> Or no, like, you, you, you yeah. say that, but that's what a lot of people were like with, really? with, in regards to the marketing, I think, and, and reviews and oh. stuff like that. Like, yeah, they're just like, oh. It Billy just makes Zane. me think of a theme park ride, like the Billy Zane experience. Zane. You're just like... It's a 4D cinema. To... At one point, Billy Zane spits at the camera and water gets chucked Yeah, scr- get, get the scratch and sniff card. You can oh, it tastes just like him. Oh. It smells just like him. And we reel back. Um, Sorry. Um, little tangent. Oh, God bless but, Billy Zane. Um, so, I th- uh, how I came to find this film was um, I was in either the latter half of first year or the beginning of second year, whatever. I was doing a film essay. And my previous essay didn't do too well because I thought I was an edgelord by picking the room. Because they're like, you can pick whatever <laughs> film you want. You can write about any film as, oh. and you'll do good. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'll do The Room. And that did terrible. So I saw this video from Mark Kermode where he was ranking Tilda Swinton performances. And this was like, it, like if not number one, close to number one. Right. And he uh, said the film is more academia than film. And I was like, bingo. Perfect essay <laughs> film. Because it's, it's just... It's very dense. There's a lot of things you can interpret different ways. In regards to the narrative, it's very three following. It's you know, there's stuff you can you can interpret one way, but also you can interpret the other way. There's a lot of clashing things. Um, do you guys agree with the the, state, the statement that this film is more academic than it is filmic? I yeah. I I wrote that 
it reminded me more like an art exhibit. It reminded me like I could imagine right. it being like projected onto a wall and you only like catch glimpses of it, but the bits that you walk like the sort of ten minutes that you stick around to watch it would affect you in some way. Because I feel like you could take a chunk out of any bit of this movie and you can infer some kind of meaning for it whether it's about gender or sexuality or whatever it is you can yeah. you can get something from it it felt very much like e- e- um poetry with visuals yeah <laughs> so you say that about the the art exhibit thing there has actually been art exhibits yes. uh, based around this film yes yeah, there was I one that was the, meant um... to be in 2020 right it was called the oh, the no. queer something wasn't it i think yes yes the, yeah. the, yes uh, I I did have it on the queer element. Yes. The queer right. element. Queer yeah, element. that was it. And also, uh, it was an inspiration for the 2020 Met Gala, and then obviously that didn't. That happen. was so, it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I just found that now, and just like. But yeah, I I wow. also agree yeah. with the statement that it's more academia than film because it like like re- relates back to what I was saying earlier about from the get go. I was constantly. I wasn't like necessarily immediately immersed in the film i was trying to like i was very much thinking about like mm. what is this film trying to tell me what what is this right. saying by doing a b and c like uh, what is this film trying to explore what am i meant to be feeling and like the fact that i kept asking myself that made it feel more like an essay rather than a film which is yeah. no bad thing like it's still a really fascinating experience i think and it's definitely worth watching it's interesting that you also, describe yeah. it like that because um i uh, this uh, film is based on a book by Virginia Woolf and uh, if anything yeah. Virginia Woolf is like more disparate and I think what Sally Potter was trying to do if I remember is create uh, sort of like a more streamlined version of events uh, kind of doing mm. a Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire where it could have been split into two parts if you fitted everything into it but then they decided <laughs> no if it's not related to Harry's journey we're just gonna focus it's not it's not gonna be in the film and they did the same with Orlando where it's like if it's not gonna further Orlando's journey and transformation then it it's not going to be in the film um yeah but it still comes across quite so have you read the book then? no <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> i wish i called could. out i was uh, so close and to that's lying the last we're hearing teeth. of jack edmondson can we mute jack on zoom now <laughs> <laughs> so i think in regards to that issue of like if if it's more academic or filmic or, or whatnot i think I think something that lends itself to that issue is that uh, the the thing that kind of sets the film off in motion is very blink and you'll miss it. Uh, mm. In that, it's a line that Quentin Crisp says that like I will gi- I will give you my entire inheritance as long as you never grow old and you never wither. Yes, and then 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 from that, Orlando can time travel through centuries. This is the thing, and it's <laughs> yeah. just like oh okay, I, fine. I, I think I <laughs> missed that because when it was doing the time hopping element of it, I was mm. like okay, this is. It was, it was interesting, actually, because the whole time-hopping element took a while for me to kind of realise, oh, that's a bit weird, because I think it <laughs> jumps, like, ten years to begin with, and I'm like, okay, sure, ten years. Then twenty years, I'm like, fine, didn't really notice that. Eighty years, uh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're too far, why aren't you dead Which, yet? Interestingly, <laughs> how, how long have you been alive? <laughs> interesting, that moment where uh, Elizabeth sort of gives the gift of you know unaging that's not in the book Mm -hmm. the book in the book it's left unexplained why um they can just like stay young throughout the centuries the the only bit i know of that's like kind of different from the book is that apparently um so the advisor uh, that orlando gets harry 
um, that later ends up trying to um, wed Orlando. Uh, they also transition apparently. So, mm. uh, so yeah, Harry, um, yeah, and it's in that. That's in 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 the film. Harry doesn't transition, um, mm. which yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know how much of a difference it would have made, but it, to be honest, if it's kind of a good ad- adaptation to make because if if because otherwise you wouldn't have the scene where Harry says like oh I'm willing to put up with you uh, as long as we get married and all this other stuff and it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, we wouldn't have that moment where it, it there basically there's a moment in the film where it talks on uh, uh, women's place in that time um, in that <laughs> there's this, they say you are legally dead and then also you're a female in in this is in their quotes you're a female which amounts to the same thing um so we wouldn't have had that scene and it's that scene is weirdly prevalent now i think in in regards to um just uh, in regards to uh, how do i explain it just like ah uh, i'm losing my words <laughs> um basically in regards to how society can treat trans people yeah in regards yeah. to the transition i was gonna ask and just like the idea of dead naming yeah. and and yeah. all this other stuff i was but, gonna ask yeah, sorry actually, I, I was trying to word yeah. it no it was perfect um yeah the, i was gonna ask you guys about what you felt about the sort of how it tackled those themes of gender because one thing that um i come across with if i if I unfortunately am in a room with a turf and have to have a conversation with them about this kind of stuff is that generally to illegitimize trans identities they'll bring the subject onto like a semantic debate about oh well what does being right. a woman mean what's you know if if you know this person who was born a male can identify as a woman and says they're a woman then like you know what does that make me you know as a, as like a cis woman and this whole thing like trying to illegitimize people's existence by taking it to this like higher plane of thought where it's like oh womanhood manhood what do these words even mean and i think what this film really for me did well and like i can't speak for anyone i'm i'm a cis person i can't speak for trans people in terms right. of how they relate to this film but what i found good about it is that it very easily it kind of it visually explains that the the senses of gender are a complicated more complicated than just sex and are often like socially constructed like everything from the point where she transitions um she has that line where she looks herself in the mirror and she has this you know euphoric moment of like i you know i'm I'm exactly the same person. It's just a different yeah. sex. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of like, she has this like moment where she's like, oh, I'm totally at peace with myself in this. And the discomfort comes because of people then treating her differently because they are seeing her as this different sex. And there's yeah. that moment where she's like in a massive dress and she's navigating the hallways, but the hallways are kind of narrow because there's lots of like furniture in the way. And it's kind of this yeah. nice yeah. visual grammar moment where she's like learning how to like navigate with, you know, the new sort of like paraphernalias of everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really enjoy the fact that it treats gender as this, you know, it treats it as a, a way more complex than just being able to look at yourself yeah. in the mirror and see this and then designate it as such. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's why, like, whenever we have been like, oh, we're not 
too sure we don't really get this element of this film this part of the film or we're not really sure what it's trying to say if anything that that kind of lends itself well to the film because it's talking about how complicated the the like it how it doesn't say the experiences are cut and dry like Mm. yes it has it has um there's a scene where orlando says you know same person just a different sex but like for the like uh for the most part, it's quite a broad film, and um, in like it, I don't think it's saying it's exclusive to to one person's experience. It's just mm. it's proposing all these different ideas. Mm. Um, obviously, there are elements where it says this is how people were like at, in this in the society and how that could be like now. But yeah. yeah, for the most part, it's fairly it's fairly open open ended. Yeah. Um. Um. If I may, yeah. just while it's on the top of my head, there was the mm-hmm. scene where she um changes sex and looks in the mirror for the first time was probably my favorite moment in the film because so yeah. if you think like cinematic history, a lot of the times there will be like body swaps and there will be moments where characters change sex and it's usually either yeah. played as like comedy. Or it's played as an, yeah. like, looking down at yourself and being, right. like, disgusted with what you see. And yeah, It's yeah. kind of, like, very, like, dysphoric or very, like, just, like, bad feelings about it. And it was really refreshing to have this moment of someone just looking at themselves as they are and being like, yeah, yeah I can vibe with this. This is yeah. kind of It's played it, very straight, isn't it? Yeah. It's played incredibly, yeah, um, yeah, innate. And I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. um, I... I you wouldn't have thought I did an essay about this because I struggled talking about it, but it was a while back. <laughs> um, it, it's yeah. I, I think for the most part, I have to kind of talk about it from latest impressions of, of watching it. But um, something I realised with Matt when we were watching it, uh, couldn't, I know, and I couldn't yeah. find, I couldn't find <laughs> this anywhere online. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going mad or not. But Phoebe Waller Bridge owes everything to the Orlando <laughs> stare um, because. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, if you've seen Fleabag, you know that Phoebe Waller-Bridge does the breaking the fourth wall Orlando stare, cutting the viewer down. Taking the the effect that that fourth wall break has owes a lot to the fourth wall breaking in Orlando. Yeah. Um, but there's no nothing about it online. There's Usually, no I could find. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, I'm not a big fan of fourth wall breaks in films, but I think this one works quite well because it's. First of all, I think it is done in quite a funny way. Like I thought this film yeah. had a very good sense of humour and it wasn't it Definitely, didn't feel overplayed yeah. or anything. And Tilda Swinton's delivery was really good. But I think um thinking about it, the fourth wall breaks kind of relate back to something you said, Jackie, about um how when she has this gender change or sex change moment of um, oh, I'm the same person, just different sex, and how she seems content with it and fully realized with it, but it's everyone else around her who can't mm. properly adjust to it in society and how like she can't do certain things because she's a woman. I feel like the sort the fourth wall breaks kind of cement the fact that she's kind of above everyone else intellectually in that way, in the sense that she's fully realized in who she is, yeah. but and everyone she's... else can't accept it. And like the fourth wall breaks sort of, sort of illustrate that sort of elevated sense of awareness, mm. I think, that ties into that. And she's literally ahead of her time, which kind of yeah. works out <laughs> well for her. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that, there's all yeah. these things that kind of point towards that that message, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I'm gonna. I don't know if this is controversial. I didn't particularly like the fourth wall breaks. I thought they were. I think the only time oh, I wow, liked okay. it Get was out. the, which I like. I completely <laughs> agree. Like there were moments where you definitely got that sort of Phoebe Waller Bridge kind of like cold, 
like yeah, there'd be yeah. someone would say something and she'd give this a withering stare to the camera and you'd be like that's yeah that's very yeah. Fleet bag. but um i don't know i don't know if it was because there it wasn't consistent i don't know if it was because they were they kind of all existed for different purposes i feel like sometimes it was to sort of substitute a virginia wolf narration that would have been in the book Right. And sometimes mm, yeah. it was to speak poetry to the audience. Sometimes it was as if it was completely out of the time and space that it was, you know, w- what we were seeing. And I don't know. It didn't, it, I don't think it, it kind of felt a bit distracting to me. The only time I really liked it was in the last shot, because I think at that point, because she's looking at the camera, you're kind of forced. And it's this really like long shot of her looking at the camera. You're kind of forced mm. for, you know, an extended period of time to sort of like, challenge who you think she is and like just and throughout all of the changes she's been through to just see her humanity and that's kind of like Mm. that's what i liked from that last shot and the rest of it i didn't know if i enjoyed that much sorry (laughs) we need we we, if anything we we know jack greenwood doesn't like it when we just agree so we need some we need some fire in here (laughs) jack i hate you Um, I struggle with trying to understand what magic realism is, and I, I saw magical realism. That, yeah, yeah. That I saw somewhere that that film falls into that rather than surrealism. Um, I don't really know how to differentiate the two. So I if think someone could help me. If I thank can you, interject, like, yeah. if I yeah, <laughs> not based on any like academic sources or anything, but sure. I, I think the difference between them is. Magical realism is you still have a sense of base reality that you can attach to and understand, but there is a magical element thrown in to sort of express a certain element of that reality, whether it be social, political, intellectual, or emotional, but it's still very much reflecting that reality just with an aesthetic magical element, whereas surrealism isn't really, it doesn't give you anything that you can really attached to in terms of understanding a given reality it's a lot more kind of abstract and you know encourages you to sort of draw your own conclusions from it rather than giving you something that you can easily understand without having to think too hard about it jack jack what what do you think of that delineation Um, yeah that that makes sense to me i think in that with the description you just gave i'd definitely call it magical realism over surrealism because i think there is you know, it's not disparate locations with no tangibility of like how we got from point A to right. point B. We know that she's, you know, aging, not aging through time and going through all these different right. periods in a chronological order. And if anything, they kind of go out of their way to give us a kind of physical representation of how she's moving. Like, you know, when she goes from um, the proposal of that guy and she disappears into the labyrinth and then she comes out of the labyrinth yep. and it's the blitz, mm-hmm. yep. not the blitz, it's yeah, the trenches and yeah yeah it kind of like it gives us it gives you clues of like when she is like changing time periods and stuff and i think that kind of grounds it in some sense of reality even if it is a little bit um yeah i I completely agree i think this is magical realism with some elements maybe of surrealism but yeah i was generally speaking magical (laughs) realism like especially I, the ending, which I won't yeah. say what it is, but I think that was surreal. <laughs> if if not, we're talking about Jimmy else. Somerville, yeah. Um, I, Jimmy my Somerville. Whole yeah. Point, my whole point, my whole point being is uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that, uh, it, is that the f- for a film that's quite out there in terms of presentation, and yes, it had a grounded 
part in, re- uh, in reality. It um, surprisingly made qu- quite a lot of money at the time. So mm. I, that's something that's quite interesting to look back on. Was Tilda uh, Swinton now. big in 1992? What had she done? She she was mainly, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, she was mainly known for being Derek Jarman's muse. So Derek Jarman is an experimental uh, LGBT filmmaker. Uh those films also got given a lot of money from the from the uh, the BFI at the time, mm. but um, I just basically what I'm trying to say is like I could, I don't know if I could see a film a film as out there as this being funded now. No, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's Tilda quite was... a progre- mature and progressive film for the time. Yeah, I remember like, there was, was an interview yeah. with Tilda where she was saying about the it being re released. Um, yeah, yeah, and she was saying, "Yeah, there's no way that the industry would fund a movie like this now," which was mad because even back then it was kind of a risk, and people were telling Sally Potter, "Like, yeah. this isn't this isn't a good investment. You're you're gonna have to find <laughs> money for this yourself." And yeah, yeah. it just seems. It, I I think she described it as like the industry is what now working backwards, away yeah. from art, which is yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a shame. sad. Sad. Um, it was a co-production between many countries but i can only remember that it was a co-production with russia with but and other places my point being is that the dp of this is the dp of the film come and see um <gasps> which really? i still need to see yeah oh wow i didn't know uh, that wow yeah okay yeah um crikey my main thing with the cinematography on um my latest rewatch of it um is that it seemed rather vignetted like it's, it's very dark around the fr- the frames and um but i again i don't know if that's what i was watching it on um it holds up well though um yeah uh also a fun little tidbit is that um tilda swinton's eyes uh changed throughout the entire film change color in every other chapter yeah she changes eye color a bunch and like for instance when she's with billy zane her eyes are like black there's one scene where her eyes are green they always change i don't know what that's a comment on but it's something I've noticed. Is there, is, it <laughs> it makes enough. it makes the pride flag if you put them all together. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So, um, <laughs> closing it. thoughts on this on this film. What what do we? Sorry, I'm not. Sorry, I'm just thinking. To... I, it's a hard film to talk about with because I feel like I need to continue doing research on it and continue to understand it. Because, like for instance, it was talked about um, in a book. I believe I have it right in front of me. Uh, oh, where is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it so uh, this author named Alison Darren was talking about it in her book, The Lesbian Film Guide, where she was talking about how uh, the relationship between uh, Orlando with Sasha isn't a lesbian moment in film because Orlando is a male, and uh, the like. I think maybe just the the. Um, complex nature of that in in terms of representation um so it's like even then and then you've got like uh you know uh virginia wolf's life at the time uh because she she was um uh she was seeing someone secretly vita sackville west uh and the the uh the, the what's the word the like how those themes correlate within Orlando. A lot of Orlando mm-hmm. is very personal for, for Virginia Woolf, mm. is what I gathered. Um, and basically what I'm trying to say is, like, I love this film, but I'll never be able to fully talk about it, I realise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. There's so That's... many 
it's a there's a lot of webs. There's a lot. Yeah, of I think that's kind of my. They can go into. That's kind of my <laughs> closing thoughts on it as well. That I I agree with the statement that this film is more academia than film because it's dealing with a lot of themes, some of which I could comprehend, like the sort of difficulties of womanhood throughout the centuries and the sort of disparity between identity and how identity is perceived by others around you. And there are probably some other themes that went over my head that, you know, on second watch I might catch further. Right. And going back to this yeah. whole like academia, more academia than film, like as a film, it's still like yeah. really well made. Like mm. I didn't mention this before, but I really like how it's directed. It's very kind of slow and intimate and the way they hold on a lot of shots is really good. Um, yeah, I, I like the way this film's directed a lot. Um, I think that, like I said before, I think the sense of humor is really good, very sharp. And I, I just like this film tonally overall. I, th I think it's quite good. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of scenes played out in a very sort of melodramatic way, like in a sort of classic period piece. And I thought that was kind of sort of, um, I wasn't sure if it was intentional as this film is clearly a kind of subversive period piece. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Oh, right. But yeah, I, I just found that interesting. I I enjoyed this film a lot. Uh, yeah, all of that. <laughs> I agree. Sorry, I, I, was give, agree. I was giving a little dancing point up to Jackie. <laughs> beautiful. I'm not ab I'm not above you in my order on this call, so it was very much. Oh no! Oh. Yeah, you're just, just, like, point to you're just pointing oh, upwards. Dear. The troubles of Zoom. It's um, quite cute. Um, it's it's basically I I. Could, Jackie, do you agree that it's just quite a, a, a mature film about gender politics at the time? And sh should people watch it for that? Definitely. I think it's very difficult to articulate what a weird concept gender is. And I think that's what scares a lot of people into just focusing in on sex as like the identifier for it. And I think it takes right. films... And it takes experiences and listening to people and, and having uh, having things like this, which, you know, it's never going to articulate a transgender experience particularly, but it's going it, right. to, I think it is a good first step into seeing sort of like stepping into someone's shoes who can see both sides of the coin from like being viewed as a man and a right. woman and um, transitioning and, you know, having gender be yeah. challenged as not just a innate it's not just like innate in your physicality and in your body but in something which is which can be changed and something that can be conflicting with yourself so yeah for the yeah. time i think it works really well um and okay. yeah you get a lot of tilda swinton fun mannerisms in there as well there's a lot of lines <laughs> she in is good she? <laughs> there's she, a line she's where so she good looks, she's so good there's a line where she like looks out to like you know the barracks she just there's a pause and she just goes strange and it's so beautiful <laughs> that was quite that is quite um on on on, on the head with the impression there That's, i was gonna and say there's some tilda you're really close yeah <laughs> thank you very much our second there's... guest here is uh tilda swift <laughs> going Heels up in the mask off except the mask means nothing because it's audio um <laughs> there's the other line which she says where she's like the wind which is the wind <laughs> Both that, of you love this line. I, I, <laughs> oh, it's so we, we, I, I am, I'm gonna slowly get into a wrap up. But I, one, one little thing with with Orlando is that, um, I do love rewatching it. There are some elements, uh, in in the line delivery that feel a bit Shakespeare in the Park, and that's one of them. Um, and and the poet character I wasn't a fan of. But apart from that, it's a very, 
it's a very mature film. I think more people should see it. If you guys uh, want to see it, you could either rent it on Amazon Prime or it's on BFI Player. Um, it's yeah, it you know, and also if you need an essay, it's this film. It's the perfect essay film. Um, Go download Joe's essay. Don't. It's a bad essay. Um, <laughs> but um, my my question for you, Matt. Okay, oh, no. I'm so excited. My my question for you, Matt. Why is it me you're doing this? Time? Matt, 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 Matt. How do you spell out your name? <laughs> this is the better M- one. A. And then stop there and just say that for me. <laughs> Ma. There we go. And that's uh, the third film of the day is Ma. Yes. Jackie, Thanks for like for making me part of that. <laughs> no problem. We love it. interactive. I suppose you couldn't do it with Jack. Otherwise it'd be Jar. Jar. <laughs> that's the secret. Right. Um. Just a jar um, ring. Uh, before, yeah, I, no, I didn't Jack, write. Is Jackie's synopsis first? I didn't write one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh wait, no, Jackie, I did. The floor actually. is yours. I did write one. Sorry, oh, I, I forgot. Oh, you did. I, I wrote one. Yeah. Don't yeah. Well, it's Jackie's first. Okay. So go away. <laughs> I really wanted to do like a. You know how Disney did the review? The sorry, the synopsis for um, Soul, and it was like. Oh yeah. Have you ever wondered? Uh, I wanted to yeah. do one yeah. like that. It's like, have you ever w- looked at someone and wondered what is going on inside your head? Well, meet Ma, a lonely veterinarian's assistant called Sue Ann. She is a cookie gal, and she just wants to drink, drink, drink. But you better not make her drink alone, because otherwise, oh boy, high school is gonna get chopped. Come see. They go, they go and get chopped. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, it's about a um, <laughs> lonely woman who uh, invites some kids to party with her, and consequences happen. And hijinks ensue. Matt, can you can you beat that epicness? No, I can't. Mine is basically that, but less fun. It's yeah, just a seemingly harmless woman befriends some teenagers. She lets them use their basement for like hijinks and fun. Uh, however, the relationship between them becomes sinister and potentially life-threatening. You forgot the bit where yeah. it's the best film that you've ever seen. Yeah. I oh, think, yeah. I think, um, yeah. I think hijinks and fun is how you can sum up today's episode. Can you sum up this film as hijinks and fun, Jackie? What? <laughs> can you sum up this film as hijinks and fun? Would I, would would I, you say? Would I review it? Yes. As, oh, got you. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still slow from running home. Um, it's okay. I, it's same, I would say. Um, I would say the environment that I that we watched it together is definitely the mm. environment that this film should be enjoyed in. Um, yeah. A few drinks down you, a few giggles, and just let it wash over you because oh boy, that's there how I go. watched it the first time round. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into like my first experience please, watching it. Please, please, um, please, please. Because I think it explains why I picked this film. Because I think there's a lot to talk about um, with Ma. Uh, so I went to go see this film with my friend Lily. And we went to the cinema where I was working at the time. We sat down. We had already had a few drinks down us. We bought a bottle of wine. Thinking, we're not going to finish this in the cinema. Like We've not got enough time. We had those and a few tinnies. Film plays. Kind of decent, a little bit bad. 
Um, also, yeah, you're not allowed to drink in the cinema, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> Are you not? Uh, you, you have to buy the alcohol there. You can't bring in your own. Uh, because glass. Okay. Can't bring glass. Um, anyway, that's a little public service announcement. Um, we watched, <laughs> So we watched this film, and it got to about halfway through. It was pretty decent. We were having a nice time watching Octavia Spencer just eat up her role in this film. And then there was a power cut and everything froze. And we were like, oh, no, it's all gone. So we had about half an hour to 40 minutes of, of like a blank screen to which we got all of that alcohol down us. And we were very, very, very drunk. And then it began. And suddenly it was as if someone had switched reels and we were watching a completely different film because we were watching it with completely different eyes. And we were watching this incredible masterpiece take hold. <laughs> Sue Ann being dangerous. Octavia Spencer just like indiscriminately killing people being just a total badass just some of the best acting you've ever seen her do and yeah incredible finale reveals akimbo we were like we were gripped we were absolutely gripped and we walked out saying it was the best film we've ever seen um and yeah i've watched it many a time since <laughs> But, do, do you have a number? Have you lost count? <laughs> we we don't know the figures, babes. Um, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason I wanted to watch it with you guys and to talk about it is that I think there is <laughs> with Ma a nice discussion about what what constitutes a good film and whether a film in one context can be really fun and and completely serves its purpose and is really great and in a completely different context would not be because we've analyzed some like very well-made sometimes academic films and we've discussed them in this one Mm. in this episode but with ma you can't really do that and i think it's a nice challenge to see if we can find gold in this film which is just meant to be enjoyed as trash and i want to see if that's possible I think this is the film. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I think while we were watching this film, I made a point of how you can kind of plot the quality of a film on a parabolic graph. I think <laughs> with like on one end you've got genuine enjoyment of a film, like you know your Godfather's, your Citizen Kane's, whatever, and on the other sure. end you've got like ironic enjoyment of a film, of how like it's cool made cat saves the kids or just cats. For one, or cats, any <laughs> and cat just like film. a film that's so trash, so zany, so how did this get made? Yeah, like you, you just enjoy, it. and then like sort of in the dip of this parabolic graph, you have the sort of the boring films that are just bad, kind of like Wild Hogs, yeah, and yeah. things like that, <laughs> or like the, the Emoji Movie, or and I think Ma is one of those films that fits on the high end of the negative side of the parabolic graph of just Would you say like negative? you said. Well, okay, negative, like, uh, these are all semantics. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, Just to preface, (laughs) just to preface, um, I I can't really critique this film at all, because when we were watching it together in our very giddy environment, I wasn't paying attention at all. Um, I didn't drink, because I'd work the next morning, so, um, yeah. (laughs) We were just cracking. I watched it in a, yep. We were just. I think Joe, you had a very elegant description of your experience with this film, which was, I think, for me, this film was just a series of images and sounds. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
in that you took so, in like, what, nothing. Yeah. You just kind of absorbed <laughs> and like so, you just let it unfold in front of you it, without watching it. Thing. <laughs> here's the thing with with drink watching. It's just drinking whilst watching films, right? You gotta be very careful. You gotta pace yourself properly. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that with Ma because no. I was I was I was at a, a little catch up thing uh, with a mate I hadn't seen in a while, so I had quite a drink there, and then I continued drinking when I got back. I had a whatever. I don't know what it is. It says Dino wine, but I I'm, obviously I'm sure it's pronounced Dino. I'm I think it's Dino. Now. Yeah, but I I don't know what it is. I drank it, um, and it yeah, like as like like you were saying, I saw the whole film was just a collection of Im- images and audio. I feel um, like it, yeah, the film ended quicker than expected. Um, so <laughs> it didn't you, for you know, me. You gotta just like yeah, you you, were, you had work the next day. I was looking um, at the runtime just constantly. <laughs> the, the moral not, of the story is you, you gotta that's... be careful with the types of yeah. The, the the moral of the story is that you gotta be careful with the types of films you drink to. Synecdoche, New York. Don't drink to that film. Ma, yeah, sure. Um, I I I'm I'm fifty fifty with drinking with, with with Ma because, like I said, it was a collection of images and audio. It was like, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> um, but in regards to you know, uh, it is called trash cinema genuinely, um, because that's what I had to write about with with the room. Um, it. Is a very it has a very needed place within film. I love watching mm. terrible films. It's mm. needed. We I've been wanting. Uh, Matt knows I've been wanting to talk about the speeds and the bubble boys of this world, and I'm very glad that uh, we kind of got though. there. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? I know che- what you mean. Like okay. lowbrow is what speed you're saying. Speed is more cheese, and then bubble boy is trash. But we you're we've talk- got lowbrow is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I think we, we, yeah. we've kind of gotten there with the boxes omen, but there's a, there's a little in Venn diagram middle of that. I um, think yeah, um, Ma, I, I, Ma I, is personally it, 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 Ma is it, it depends on your level of, of it, it's a pers- it's a personal basis you break it down on is what I'm trying to say. Um, someone said on on Letterbox that they'd already seen half of this film through Twitter and I agree I'd seen most of this film through Twitter it's, it's a very memeable film it's so quotable um, don't make me drink yeah. alone don't make me drink don't make alone, me drink alone. <laughs> it's so beautiful there's even quotes which like I can't even quote in any context but I will say because they just like stuck in my that head milk, did you do it <laughs> 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 the one where she goes just like looks like someone's a little jealous a little bit jealous of Sue Ann she just flips out and it's so beautiful it's such my I, favorite what if, I wrote so in my notes I had a lot of bullet points for the last two films I have two bullet points for this film and yeah what one of them was that Octavia Spencer is really good despite the quality of this yeah, film she's overall she... she's really having fun with it oh. she's you know she's chewing the scenery all the time it's great she devoured she's really this good. film like it, i know that she's not technically the main <laughs> character but like this is her film like people went to go see oh, i mean she is though like she's the she title character yeah. the, the sort of backstory revolves around yeah. her entirely and she's no, yeah she is arguably yeah. the yeah. protagonist as well because the actual protagonist maggie does i think bugger all until the last act like not she doesn't <laughs> She doesn't make choices to do anything. She is just dragged along by this group of friends to go drinking. And then she is dragged right. along by Ma to her house and just keeps going back, even though she doesn't really want to. She's 
she kind of figures out it's kind of sus quite early on, but she still goes because whatever. Right. And then, yeah, it's not until like the final act where she actually makes any choices of her own to solve anything. Um, I yeah. think I thought it's weird because I thought the protagonist was uh, Alison Janney for most of the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we talk about the most thankless cameo in cinema? <laughs> Alison Janney. As the vet that Sue Ann is, uh, Octavia Spencer's character is a assistant to, and <laughs> just comes into the shot to just chastise Sue Ann for not working. doing her job. By the way, I'm an Oscar-winning actor. <laughs> Bye now. It's like I know we did the help together, but I'ma just be here for like yeah. two seconds. It's well, speaking of the help, wait, what, were they in the help together? It was Alison uh, Jenny. Was... I, I can't remember. Isn't I'm pretty sure, right? Isn't it? Jessica Chastain's in the help, I know. And um, yeah, Alice and Janney's Bryce in another Dallas one Howard's of Tate and... Taylor's films. She's friends with the director as well as. I might um, have it wrong, but I think it's Emma Stone's mum is Alice and Janney, but I might have that yeah. wrong. It might not be her. Really? I apologize. Okay. I haven't seen the help for a little That's, bit. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, what's what's uh, what's very apparent with this film is that um octavia spencer's uh mates with the director because apparently she signed she's just signed onto the film without reading the script she was just like i want to because the director was like i want to do something really in his words i want to do a film really fucked up um and then like was like octavia spencer you want to do it and she's like yes yes please let's do it um and I mean, yeah, if there's anything to take out of this film, is that Octavia spends seven away yeah, all the time. It's... And I love those types of films where where it's literally just a vehicle for the actor to be crazy. Yeah, and it totally tracks. Like, you can tell she is just, like, devouring everything in this film. Like, every scene she is in, she is having the best time, and she's really good at that, just flipping from, you know, embarrassing mum-type, you know, owner of the house, bringing down snacks at a party too like vicious like she is incredible at mm. that and i think it really i think it really tracks because you know she's kind of been renegated to like supporting role a lot of the time yeah, in a lot yeah. of like oscar baity movies including the help um yeah mm-hmm. you know she's just you know she's always been sort of like sidelined character um uh, kind of you know similar sort of um characters as well and then yeah. here like she's got the opportunity to just do whatever she wants. She could yeah. just like completely chew everything up and do whatever she wants, and she like kills it. And yeah, she is totally the thing worth watching in this movie. Um, Arguably her best performance. Would you say? Hmm. What well, I just <laughs> no, I because I I've seen think... enough films with her, so I, I <laughs> don't the know. Thing. Um... We might be hitting the nail on the head. Here. She's, great. she's... <laughs> but it like she like like Jack said, she's she's in a lot of she's mainly. Su- supporting in films like Snowpiercer and Shape of Water, Shape Water and yeah. The Help and I so forgot like, she was in Snowpiercer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Fruitvale Station, she's a supporting in that as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, yes, of course she is. Yes. I remember that now. Yeah. Is her latest support like main role that blooming Melissa McCarthy film? Thunderforce? Oh, Thunderforce. Yeah, even she couldn't really save that one. 